A wise person once observed that the only constant in our world is change. Change is inevitable and often brings positive benefits. I'm sure you can think of a change in your life that has had massive impact in your life. Changes can be great, but the process of change can be a bit messy. But if you aren't willing to embrace that process, you will not reap the rewards either. Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast, a weekly message from Gamia Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. I'm Mark Rader, Senior Pastor here at GBC, and I trust that you'll hear the invitation of the Holy Spirit to join in God's work in your life and the world in this message. This week, we conclude our sermon series entitled Refresh, in which we are seeking a renewal and refreshment of our commitment to the core commitments of our vision and purpose as a community of faith. Using a visual representation of change used by Danielle Strickland in her presentation on transformational change given at this year's Global Leadership Summit, I explore the one thing that we need to do to prepare for the new season of God's work in our lives. We're continuing and finishing our series uh, entitled Refresh, which is a series that's been linked to the call to prayer that uh, I issued in July, where I asked you to join me in praying for a fresh new season of God's work in our midst. And I've been really encouraged by the number of people who have anecdotally told me they've picked one of these up and they've been praying through this uh, over the last number of months. Uh, And over these last four weeks, we've been exploring essentially the items that I've asked us to be praying about. Uh, So over the last three weeks, we've been exploring our commitment to some essential components of our vision and our purpose. Our vision as a church is to see lives changed by Jesus, and our purpose, therefore, is to help people take their next faithful step and and participate with what God is doing. Uh, And so three weeks ago, I challenged you about and challenged us about our commitment to the good news. The good news that's more than uh, just a personal story of salvation, but is part of a grand scheme that God has to restore and renew the entire world in Christ Jesus, of which personal salvation is a really important part. Uh, Two weeks ago, Jodine challenged our commitment to participate with God. Do you actually believe that when Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I am sending you, do you believe that he meant you, or do you find a way to make sure that what Jesus meant was the person next to you? It's you that he sent. Are you committed to that? And then last week, Mark challenged our commitment to following Jesus, being those who are always learning, always growing, always maturing as followers of Jesus, that our lives are transformed uh, as we are participating in his grander plan. And if you're familiar with the card, you'll then know that there's one last thing that I've asked us to pray about, and that's what I'd like to, to speak about this morning, which is about the necessary preparations. I framed it this way, that we would discern what needs to be done in preparation for whatever is next. Uh, And uh, there's all sorts of aspects to this, and in a couple of weeks at our AGM and in the service that precedes that, on the 24th, I do want to be talking about some of the things that as a leadership we feel convicted by God to begin to lean into, some things that we want to develop, some things that we want to change, some things that we want to continue to strengthen, the things that we feel will prepare us for the new season that God has for us. And, And that's, I guess, part of our job as the leadership, right? To be thinking about those sorts of things and to be sharing that with you, inviting you to join us in that space. But I actually believe this morning that there's something for us to do. There is a thing for us to do. And I'd like to explain what that thing is by using 
these props and explain them to you. I should probably state right at the outset that um, I nicked this from Danielle Strickland's uh, presentation at the Global Leadership Summit in 2019. She uses the same bridge. I actually think it's the same color exercise ball as well, just by ha happenstance. Uh, but she talks about this uh, in the context of transformational change. So she's, she's speaking to leaders, and she says there's, there's two things primarily that leaders need to do. And, and the first thing is that they need to be changing the right things. Uh, if you're seeking transformation, uh, if you're seeking some difference, you can't just change anything. You have to change the right things. And, and as I mentioned, as leaders, I really feel that we've been uh, prayerful and thoughtful about the sorts of things that we need to change or lean into or develop or to grow. So that's the first thing, to, to, to change the right sorts of things. But then secondly, she says, once you've determined what you need to change, you then need to embrace the process of change for which she then uses this physical representation, a bridge of transition or change. For those of you who are listening on the podcast, there are four chairs and an exercise ball in the middle. Uh, the chairs on the outside are stable. The chairs on the inside, numbers two and four, have a wedge of wood under them so they're wobbly and the exercise ball is an exercise ball. And she uses this to describe how it feels when we go through change in our lives, whether it be personal change or whether it be organizational change. When we go through change, we go through these five stages. And so for those of you who have done change management or whatever as part of your job or whatnot, some of this will sound familiar. It's not rocket science by any stretch of the imagination. But she says in the first chair, it's when we're settled, right? And we feel at home. So we, we know how things work. Uh, we have figured our way out uh, in terms of how, uh, our, what our place in it is. We feel settled. And then something happens in our lives, whether it's uh, a job promotion, uh, moving locations, uh, moving schools, uh, something that God calls us into, a question that's raised, and it inevitably disrupts us. Uh, and we go from feeling settled and at home to feeling unsettled. Uh, kind of partly exciting and partly scary, right? You can imagine standing on this chair after standing on this one, right? It's nice and stable and easy. This one, a little bit less so, a little bit exciting, a little bit scary. Who knows what's next? And then the third stage is when we step from what is even, even though it's unsettled for us, it's still a little bit close to home, we step out onto chaos. I don't know if you've ever tried standing on an exercise ball. I am not going to try to do that right now. Because one of the things that Danielle Strickland points out is it, when we step out from what is familiar, even if unsettled, towards the new normal, right? Because that's what disruption does. Disruption is not necessarily the problem. Disruption is what invites us to find a new normal. But she said, when you step out onto the, in, into the chaos, you are far from normal on either side, and you also need help. Now, she describes uh, seeing this played out at a family camp. Her family uh, had moved, and it sounds like a whole bunch of other families who had also moved were uh, taken through this process to help them kind of work through the change that they were experiencing. And her seven-year-old son was the volunteer, and he talked about being at home, you know, knowing his friends and liking his school and all that stuff, to the excitement and uncertainty when he was told that they were going to be moving. And when the facilitator said, well, can you stand on the exercise? ball, turned to his family and kind of went, help me. And his 16-year-old brother jumped up and held his, his, his elbows as he balanced on the exercise ball. It's, it's the, the chaotic feeling that we can't do this on our own 
Before landing on the other side, where things are still not entirely settled, we still don't know entirely what's, what's what, but we're clearer. And then finally, we arrive in a settled state, the new normal. You with me so far? Not all that complicated, is it? Well, Danielle Strickland then uh, takes this and she applies it to a story that Brett referenced earlier out of Acts chapter 10, where Peter, the apostle, in his Jewishness, right? He's, he's a Jew following a Jewish, Jewish Jesus, the fulfillment of Jewish scriptures. Everything about him is Jewish. What he eats is Jewish. How he thinks is Jewish. Everything about him is Jewish. And then his life is disrupted when, in the middle of prayer, he has a vision. Do you remember the vision, Acts chapter 10? A sheet is dropped down before him, and it's filled with unclean animals. And a voice from heaven says, kill and eat, Peter. He's like, I can't do that. And three times the sheet comes down and three times it's taken up. And he uh, kind of comes out of his vision and he is puzzled. He's disrupted. He is wondering what this might possibly mean. And then there's a knock on the door. And at the door are Roman soldiers. Not a great kind of outcome for a Jew at that point in time, right? And they say, we have come to bring you to Cornelius' house. And the Holy Spirit says to Peter, go with these men. And so Peter steps out into the unknown, doesn't he? I'm not even going to bother sitting on it, let alone standing on it. Right? He steps out into the unknown, completely uncertain about what's going to happen next. He arrives at Cornelius' house, and he still has no idea. Until he hears, this is the partnership, Cornelius say, an angel told me to send for you, and you would give us a message. And so Peter, still having no idea what he's doing, gives him the only message he's got, which is the message of Jesus. And before he's even done, the Holy Spirit is poured out on everyone there. Poured out exactly like the Spirit had been poured out on Peter and the apostles at Pentecost. And Peter finds himself suddenly understanding what the new normal looks like. It's where it's not just Jews, it's Jews and Gentiles, isn't it? It's still wobbly, doesn't feel like home. And the rest of the New Testament is really working out what it means for that to become the new normal. But because Peter was willing to go on that, change the right thing, and to go on that process, whether he knew it or not, the Christian movement went from being a Jewish sect to a global, worldwide, universal phenomenon. This is the process. So we have to be changing the right sorts of things, and we need to then embrace the process. Can you guess where I'm going with this yet? We've been talking a lot about a new season. Wouldn't it be great if God did something new in our midst? Something really fresh and new. Not the same old stuff, but something really new. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we saw people coming to faith regularly and routinely? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could not have a set over the baptism because it was being used so frequently? Would it not be wonderful if we were not an indispensable part of our community again? Wouldn't it be wonderful if God did something fresh and new in our lives? And we say, yes, amen, praise God. And then we stay in the first chair and we say, as long as God brings it here, I'm happy for something new. As long as God brings the new where I can remain settled and comfortable and at home, and bring it on. You see the problem with that, I hope. 
Because the new doesn't exist here, it exists, exists over there. And I hope, I hope that part of what this season of prayer has been for you has been at least in part to unsettle you. See, as leaders, we're here. I've been in this chair for a little while now because I've been unsettled and disrupted. I've been disrupted by the data that suggests that we are just in a long, slow decline. That's disruptive. I've been disrupted by the consequences and the implications of our vision and purpose. Do you have any idea what we started when we started talking about lives changed by Jesus? Do you have any idea what we started when we began talking about the reality that you, you sitting here, right here, you have been invited to participate with what God is doing in the world? Do you have any idea what we started when we put those words of Jesus over the door as the Father sent me, I am sending you? Do you have any idea what the implications are? Because they're not comfortable implications. We can't remain here and live out our calling as sent people, can we? So I hope you're disrupted. But as a leader, I've been hoping that if we just went slow enough, and if I was careful enough, and if, and if I thought about it enough, and if I just came up with the right systems and processes, we could build a wonderful bridge over the chaos and land here. And I don't, I don't think we can. I'm spewing about it, really. It'd be really nice to be able to figure that one out. Sell a million books, I reckon, if I could avoid the chaos of change. But the reality is, if we want something new, then we're going to have to leave some of the comfort and certainties behind and step out into what's a little bit unknown. Because I can't tell you exactly what the new normal is. If I could, we'd already have crossed the chaos, right? I can't tell you. I cannot tell you what it is that God's calling us to and what it will necessarily involve. But I can give you its shape. A community of faith that is indispensable in the wider community, but not how we used to be. We used to be indispensable because we were an institution in the, in the country, right? We were indispensable because we held power and we held authority and everyone shared our common values, but that's not the case anymore. How will we, be in, how will we become indispensable in the community? Through sacrificial service. Service with no agenda and with no strings and with no conditions. A community of faith willing to pay the price to serve our community, to show them in small part the restoration that God has promised in Jesus so that maybe, just maybe, they'll begin to explore who He is. And it will be sacrificial because if it were easy service, someone else would have figured it out. It's going to cost us. A community of faith that truly understands who we are as the church. You see, it's really easy because no one in our community is very interested in the church except Christians, right? It's just Christians who are interested in the church. And so it's very easy for us to somehow assume that therefore the church has been God's gift to us. But that's not why the church was founded. The church was founded as God's gift to the world. The church was meant to be a display, a living, breathing display of the restoring work of God in Christ Jesus and of what it means to be swept up in that grand story. 
a community of faith who understands the significance and importance of all that we've been called to and is willing to lean into the kinds of relationships that really matter, that go beyond friendships to the deep things of faith. I can't tell you what it's going to look like specifically, but I think that's the space. And so here we are on this side. And we're about to step out into more uncertainty. Kind of wish I told you this before we started praying about it, don't you? And here's the thing about stepping out into uncertainty. When we do so, as Daniel Strickland's son found, you can't do it on your own, can you? You need help. And as a leadership, we are committed to helping our congregations, to helping our community of faith traverse this uncertainty as well as we can. To be as clear as we can about where we feel God is, is leading us and guiding us. To be as, as thoughtful as we can in how we implement the necessary changes. To be uh, as, 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 as helpful as we can in this process. But we also need your help. I need your help. And, and, I, and I thought, okay, when I was preparing this, I thought, that's great. I need their help. What does that mean? I don't know how many of you remember um, Sunday, December 14th, 2014. I'm not sure for how many of you it was a significant day, but it was for me. It was the day that I was appointed as a senior pastor here at Gamia Baptist Church. Uh, and uh, at that point in time, it was, um, it, I mean, it was a really significant moment for me for reasons you can understand. But I remember saying to the, the gathered community at the time why it was so important for me. And it was important because I needed to know that I had been appointed, not because I was convenient. I mean, I've been at the church for 18 years. I've been Carl's off solder for most of those 18 years, at least the last dozen. I could have been a convenient choice. And it was important to me that the church affirmed that I had been called to this point. And the reason why that was so important is because when things get difficult, when things get hard, and you begin to question whether you're the right person for the job, and you can all relate to this, if you are only appointed because you were convenient, it's hard to convince yourself that you should carry on. And so it was really important to me that you felt that I had been called to this position. Because right now, I'm about to step out believing in the call of God rather than in my ability because there's a whole bunch of me that thinks that I'm probably not the right person to lead this community of faith through what happens next. But here's what I need from you. I do not need you to affirm my calling, although I would appreciate that. I'm never going to say no to that. I also do not need you to support me Although, again, I appreciate when I feel supported. And I do not even need you to pray for me, although I covet your prayers. You know what I need most from you? I need you to be as committed as I am trying to be to what Jesus is calling us to. For you to be committed to me or to affirm my call is not going to get us across the bridge. What's going to get us across this uncertainty 
is our shared commitment to being the church that God has called us to be. To be committed to following Jesus with everything that we have. To be committed to this fresh new season. And that might cost us some things. It might cost us in our service. It might cost us personally. It might cost us financially. And it may mean that we need to set aside some of our expectations of what church ought to be, of of what it should do for us or how it should feel. There, There may be some things that we need to leave behind. And again, I'm committed to helping us try to figure out what those are so that we can move forward together. But ultimately, ultimately, this call to prayer has become a call to action. And the action is to continue to commit yourself to following after Jesus. Because as we do that, as we commit ourselves to really understanding what it means that our lives are changed by Him, when we really begin to grapple with the fact that I cannot be comfortable with all that I have known because my church is now filled with people who are exploring faith. They don't believe in Jesus yet, but they're really interested in Him because of the way that we have served our community. And because there are so many people here who have no idea about what it means to be followers of Jesus, I need to be the best role model I can be. I need to take my following more seriously. To be a community of faith that understands and recognizes and appreciates and expects that when we leave these buildings, when we leave this gathering, that God is actually going to invite us into something new. That we actually expect Him to show up sometime in our week. That we actually expect the conversation or the prayer or the opportunity to serve where we actually see God at work. So my question for you as we wait for the new season of God is whether you're willing to take that step. Because that's ultimately what we need to do next. That's what we need to do next. We need to be committed to the good news. We need to be committed to being sent people. We need to be committed to being followers. But it's only as we commit to the plans and purposes of Jesus will we be able to move forward as a community of faith. And I need your help to do that. I need your commitment to do that. So that together we might see something new. Because I'm kind of tired of the old. Are you? Are you at all tired of the old? Is anyone else tired of the church being spoken about as if it's a detriment to society? Is anyone else tired of the fact that we very rarely baptize people? And when we do, it's because they've been Christians for 30 years and never got around to it? Is anyone else tired of being nice instead of being changed? Like anyone else? And if we are, this is the new season God wants. Not, not, not because we're Gaimea Baptist Church and we've got it all together, but because we're part of the church. And that's what God wants for the church because that's what God wants for the world. So in a moment, I'm going to invite the team up. I'll invite them up now. We're going to sing, uh, we're going to conclude our service with Christ is Enough. 
which I think summarizes quite neatly what I'm getting on about, but it contains that refrain, I have decided to follow Jesus. And uh, in a moment, I'm going to invite you, if you would like to, to stand as a sign of your commitment to follow after Jesus. Um, I don't want to force you to do it. We're all going to stand to sing anyway, so I'll get you in the end. But uh, and for those of you who might be visiting and you know, you're part of another community of faith, maybe this is a, an opportunity for you to stand as a commitment to follow Jesus wherever He has you. If you're just beginning to follow Jesus, you're not really convinced about it all, but you're still working it out, maybe this is a, a commitment for you to stand. But if, if what I've been sharing today has that kind of any resonance with you, any resonance, the way it resonated with me and with our section leaders, about our commitment to follow Jesus, then I would invite you to stand in a moment to kind of express our desire to continue to grow together and to see what God has in store for us. We're not done praying, but I also think that we're in the stage where God's going to start calling us out. He's going to start calling us out on things, and it might get a little bit uncomfortable. But if you are committed to those things, can I invite you to stand now? And before we sing, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, uh, we are your people, and uh, as you know, we so often struggle to follow you faithfully. We're kind of hot and we're cold. Uh, we're, we're consistent and then we're, we're not. Uh, we're um, trying to follow you as best we can, and we share to some degree a, a, a dissatisfaction with where we are now. We know that you have plans that are, that are bigger, not just not just for us as a church, but for the world, and we want to be a part of that. And so I pray that as we seek to be faithful to what you have called us to, seek to be faithful to the direction that you are leading us in, that you might give to each one of us a deep sense of your calling and a profound sense of your invitation. And that as a community of faith, we might step out into what may be a little bit uncertain, uh, and that we might be open to changes to how we do things and, and to how this time looks in terms of what we seek to accomplish in our water world in order that you might continue to use us to restore the world as you planned. We've had an opportunity today to reflect upon your forgiveness, which is part of that story. We pray that we might take that and allow your uh, forgiveness, allow your death and resurrection to spill over from our lives into every nook and cranny of our world. And that as we do so, you might be honored and glorified, and lives might be changed as they encounter you. We pray this in your name, and God's people said, Amen. While this is a message given specifically to the community of faith at GBC, I believe that it is applicable to every believer, wherever you may be. We must all be willing to embrace the process of change if we want to see the new work of God in our lives. Are you willing to commit, afresh and anew, to following Jesus into the sometimes messy process of change? I hope that you are. Is there someone you know who needs to hear this message too? If so, why not share it with them and see what God does through that? And as always, we'd love to hear from you as you hear and respond to the invitation of God. You can find us on Facebook or visit our website at guymebaptist.org.au. Until next time, God bless.